ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا وسيئات اعمالنا من يهديه الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله اما بعد so the section that we arrived at last time we were talking about the one who abandons the prayer the one who abandons the prayer and we said there are two types of abandonment of the prayer either you abandon the prayer out of rejection of the prayer in that case kafir that is not disputed that is agreed upon somebody who rejects the prayer rejects its obligation kafir the second type of abandonment of the prayer was somebody who abandons the prayer out of negligence and laziness he knows he needs to pray he knows the commandment from allah is to pray five times a day he knows that but out of laziness out of not caring not bothering negligence he doesn't bother to pray his prayers this is where the scholars had their discussion over many of the scholars as we saw last time declare this type of person to be kafir also the one who abandons the prayer out of laziness how can you abandon the prayer the second highest pillar of islam so now then moving on from that section on the same topic yet ibn al-qayyim rahimahullah one of the great scholars ibn al-qayyim from a few centuries ago the student of shaykh al-islam ibn taymiyyah rahimahullah he said regarding this topic of the one who abandons the prayer out of laziness innahu yastahil fi al-'adah wa at-tabi'ah an yakuna ar-rajul musaddiqan tasdiqan jaziman anna allah farada alayhi kullu yawmin wa laylah khamsa salawat wa annahu yu'aqibuhu ala tarkiha ashadd al-'iqab wa huwa ma'a dhalik musirrun ala tarkiha hadha min al-mustahil qat'an ibn al-qayyim rahimahullah said it is impossible it is impossible in normal habits in the norm of a person for him to believe with certainty to have that belief with certainty that Allah has obligated upon him five prayers for every day and night and for him to believe with certainty that Allah will punish him with the severest of punishment if he abandons them yet despite all of that certain belief he is still persistent upon abandoning the prayer 
That is impossible. Ibn al-Qayyim says that is impossible. Somebody believes with certainty that Allah has commanded you to pray five times a day and night. And you know and believe with certainty that you will be punished with the severest of punishment if you don't, yet you still go and abandon the prayer and don't bother. That Ibn Qayyim says can't be. It can't be. It must mean then that you have a problem in your belief. Must have a problem in your belief. A serious problem in your iman. If you know it's an obligation Allah has commanded you with, and you know how severe the punishment will be for leaving it, you know that, then how are you going to go and leave it and abandon it? Must be some serious problem in your iman. And that is something a person needs to address quickly. If a person finds this severe issue in his iman, severe enough for him to not even bother to pray, then that is something a person needs to deal with instantly. Because you do not know when your appointed time has been allotted to you. You do not know when your appointed time has been allotted to you. When death has been assigned to you. You do not know. That's why in the narration, it is mentioned, إِذَا أَصْبَحْتَ فَلَا تَنْتَظِرِ الْمَسَاءِ وَإِذَا أَمْسَيْتَ فَلَا تَنْتَظِرِ الصَّبَاحِ If you make it alive in the morning, then don't delay your actions till the evening, expecting to be alive till the evening to do your actions then, to do your worship then. And if you make it to the evening... Then don't sit back expecting to be alive in the morning that I'll do my worship in the morning. I'll start praying tomorrow. I'll start praying next week. I'll start. Insha'Allah, I'll start. In the narration it says from the Sahabi, you make it to the morning, don't expect to make it till the evening even. You make it to the evening, don't expect to make it till the morning. Don't put your deeds off thinking you'll make it to the evening or to the morning. You don't know when your time is appointed. When you see what happened in Mecca, in the Haram, when that crane fell. And I'm sure most of the people have seen the YouTube videos and everything. When that crane fell. Those people who were there, that CCTV footage. Five seconds before it fell, were they thinking about death? Five seconds before it fell. They were there, sitting, talking, kids playing and running. In the haram, they've come for Umrah. Maybe some of them on their first night, they've just arrived. Maybe some of them the first time they've ever come. Anybody sat there thinking about death? Not a single one of them. They're thinking about the haram, they're thinking about being in Mecca, thinking about the Umrah they've done. And then, five seconds later, Death has come and their souls have gone. The crane falls in that split moment. Everybody's seen the YouTube videos. Falls in that moment and death has come, their souls are gone. 
Where are they from the next morning? They did not make it to the next morning. So when a person, Ibn Qayyim says, knows with certainty, these are the commandments Allah has placed upon you, knows that with certainty, and knows with certainty the punishment that will be upon you for abandoning it, then it can't be that a person would be, in essence, silly enough to still go and abandon the prayer. As we mentioned before last time, ذهب بعض العلماء إلى أن تارك الصلاة يقتل حدا لا كفرا فيقتل ويغصر ويكفن ويصلى عليه ويدفن مع المسلمين ويدعى له بالمغفرة Some of the scholars had taken the opinion, some of the scholars took the opinion that the one who abandons the prayer is killed but as a Muslim. So he is given a janazah and buried with the Muslims. Others had said, kafir, bury him with the kuffar. So this is something certainly severe, the abandonment of the prayer. The Sheikh says, فَأَعْجَبُ لِقَوْمٍ يَتَهَاوَنُونَ هَذَا الْعَصَرِ بِصَلَاتِهِمْ He said, I'm amazed. I'm shocked at these people. How slack they are with their prayers in these times. In the day and age we live in, how slack people have become, how slack Muslims have become with regards to their prayers. يَنْشَغِلُونَ بِشَهَوَاتِهِمْ they are preoccupied with their desires. Preoccupied with their desires, with their wants and their whims, and following after their worldly affairs. They are taken in by their desires, preoccupied by their desires, and the prayer is forgotten. He says, they think it's such a big burden to do an act of worship that takes an hour out of your 24 hours. All of your five prayers put together, the time you spend on Fajr, the time you spend on Dhuhr, the time you spend on Asr, on Maghrib, and Isha, add it all up and it's barely an hour out of your 24 hours. And yet the people, they consider this to be some type of burden. Yet at the same time, يمضون الساعات الكثيرة في أمور لا خير لهم فيها. They will spend hours, hours of their day engaging in activities that have no benefit for them, activities that bring no good for them. Hours of the day in those types of activities, but a single hour, 15, 20 minutes at a time, Praying these five prayers of the day is a great burden upon them. The Shaykh says, أَفَلَا يَظُنُّ أُولَئِكَ أَنَّهُمْ مَبْعُوثُونَ لِيَوْمٍ عَظِيمٍ Those people who are slack like that, spending hours and hours on useless things, but they can't put aside a few moments of their day to pray, do they not think they're going to be resurrected one day? Do they not think that they're going to be resurrected one day? يَوْمَ يَقُومُ النَّاسُ لِرَبِّ الْعَالَمِينَ On that day when everybody is going to be resurrected before their Lord, 
Do they not think that will happen to them? Then certainly and of course it will happen to them. فَأَيُّ دِينٍ لِشَخْصٍ يَدْعُ الصَّلَاةِ يَدْعُ الصَّلَاةَ مَعَ يُسْرِ عَمَلِهَا The sheikh says, what kind of a religion are you? Or what kind of religion do you have? What religion do you have and what religion do you have left within you if you're not even praying? Despite how easy it is to pray. We're talking 10-15 minutes at a time for each prayer. You can't put that aside, then what is left of your religion? What religion do you have? وَقِلَّةُ مَا تُشْغِلْ مِنْ وَقْتِ How little it takes from your time, and how great is the reward of it, yet you cannot do it. أَيُّ دِينٍ لِشَخْصٍ What kind of a religion do you have left? يَدَعُ الصَّلَاةِ A person abandons the prayer, and such a great threat has been mentioned in the Qur'an. Such great threats have been mentioned in the Qur'an regarding the ones who do not pray. We already saw some of the ayat. Those individuals in the hellfire, they will answer and they will say, the reason why they are in the hellfire is because لَمْ مِنَ الْمُسَلِّينَ We never used to be from those who used to pray. Never used to be from those who used to pray. The Shaykh says, but some Muslims will say, they will say, but I am Muslim. Ana Muslim. Ana ashhadu an la ilaha illallah. I testify that there is no deity worthy worship except Allah. Wa anna Muhammad rasulullah and that Muhammad is the messenger of Allah. So then we say to this type of person, This will not suffice you with Allah. It is not enough for you to just say, but I'm Muslim, I say la ilaha illallah, I say Muhammad al-Rasulullah. That isn't enough. It isn't sufficient for you to just claim that. You need to do that, and you need to do your worship alongside it. حَتَّى تَسْتَسْلِمَ لِلَّهِ You need to submit to the laws of Allah, the religion of Allah. Don't just say I'm Muslim and I say La ilaha illa Muhammad Rasulullah. Then do what it means. What does it mean to say La ilaha illa Muhammad Rasulullah? Means to pray. It means to give the zakat, means to do the fasting, it means to go and do hajj. Do everything what it actually means, don't just say it and abandon everything it means. So the shaykh says, it's not enough. Don't just sit there and say, I'm Muslim, I say the shahada. Go and do what the shahada requires of you to do. So as we said, some of the scholars mentioned a very serious opinion regarding this. A very serious opinion regarding this. That the one who abandons the prayer out of laziness is considered a kafir. And they mentioned that if a person is like that, a person is like that, abandons the prayer out of laziness, out of slackness, doesn't bother praying no more, then his marriage is invalidated. That man who doesn't bother to pray, he's married to a Muslim woman, 
He's no longer valid with her. He doesn't bother to pray. He abandons the prayer. Then he is considered a disbeliever now. That marriage is invalid. Scholars have mentioned this. When he dies, he is not to be washed. La yughassal. When he dies, the janaza is not to be prayed upon him. La yusalla. When he dies, la yustaghfiru lah. You don't ask Allah to forgive him and make dua for him. Died as a kafir. La yudfin ma'al muslimin. He is not to be buried with the Muslims. Wa la yurath. And you don't take any inheritance from him. Look at this, how severe it is. This is not something minor. This isn't just a small sin. This is a severe sin. A severe sin. So that is all part of the introduction into this book. The introduction regarding the prayer, the importance of the prayer, the severity of the one who abandons the prayer. So after having looked at all of that, we can now move on and look at the actual description of how you pray properly then. Now that everybody has hopefully understood the importance of the prayer and the need to have to pray it five times a day, the next step is to then go and pray it properly. Not to go and pray five times a day and you're doing it all wrong. So the next step now is, after realizing you need to pray five times a day, is to go and pray that prayer in the proper manner according to how the Prophet ﷺ told us to pray. So that your prayer is valid. You don't want to be praying five times a day and you're doing it all wrong. So now the next section of the book, the next big chapter in the book, is going to talk to us about how to pray properly. What is in the sunnah about the prayer? What you need to do, how you need to do it, what you need to say. All of the movements, the ruku', the sujood, how you do everything. All of it is going to be explained now. So the first section is shurut as-salah. Conditions of the prayer. There are certain things that are known as the conditions of the prayer. Conditions are basically things that you could think of as prerequisites. You can't just randomly stand up and start praying. There are prerequisites that need to be in place for your prayer to then be valid when you start. These are the prerequisites that are going to be mentioned now. The conditions. Something that you need to prepare and have in place before you start praying. And it needs to continue to remain in place Till the end of the prayer. That is the conditions of the prayer. That therefore means, if one of the conditions, and there are several, if any of the conditions of the prayer, what you could think of, in a way, prerequisites that you need to have ready before you start praying, and they need to remain intact throughout the prayer, if some of those conditions are not in place before you start praying, then your prayer may end up invalid. Your prayer would end up invalid, not counted, because you have not 
taking care of the conditions required for the prayer to be valid. You need certain conditions in place. Condition number one then, which is basically the most important condition. Anybody? Being Muslim, having the intention, all of these things are general to every type of action and worship. Here we want some specific things about the prayer. Yes, good intention, being you have to be Muslim, all those things are general to every worship. But now we want to talk about the prayer, particular things for the prayer. The time, what do you mean? So every prayer got to be prayed in a particular time. So right now we couldn't pray Fajr. Exactly. That is the first condition. There are five prayers in the day. Every one of them has a specific time period to pray it in. And every one of them must be prayed in its allotted specified time period. You pray one of those prayers before the time starts, it will be invalid. Even if you didn't know. Clocks change next week. You're one of those people. You're one of those people. And the clock hasn't changed in your house yet. The old clock is still on the wall and it's still showing the old time. So you toddle along that day. Toddle along to the bathroom. Toddle out of the bathroom, toddle along to your little space, and you start praying. Then afterwards, after midday or something, you finally clock on. No pun intended. And then you change the time. So now your prayer, you realized it was all wrong. That wasn't even the time for the prayer yet. Prayer hasn't even started the time for that prayer yet. Are you a, what is the ruling now? You gotta pray it again. Even though you did that completely accidentally. You can't say, well, it was a complete accident. I genuinely thought the time was in. So maybe it counts. I can leave it now. No. The time wasn't in. So you cannot have that prayer as valid for you. So the first condition is the time has to have started for that particular prayer before you can pray it. There are set times. This is the first condition. This is the first condition for your prayer to be accepted. So now the question obviously is, it's obvious, so what is it? What are the times then? What are the specific allotted times for each prayer? We know it's a condition you gotta pray in the time for every prayer when the prayer time starts. So the question obviously is what are they then? When does the time for Fajr start? When does the time for Dhuhr start? For Asr start? For Maghrib start? For Isha start? When? So, when? Let's start with, uh, in the book let's stick to the translation then it starts with Dhuhr first. Dhuhr is the first one mentioned. So what time does Dhuhr start? Uh, 
after after midday when the sun's at the highest point and it moves from there. Okay. Was just waiting for someone to say one thirty or something or one forty five. That's what normally they do. So Dhuhr the Dhuhr prayer. Have a look what the Sheikh says. Min shams ila an yasira dhillu kulli shay mithlahu zaidan ala zawal The timings of the prayer are based upon the movement of the sun. You can work them out of the movement of the sun and various other natural factors. Dhuhr in the morning when the sun rises, it rises from the east. So in the morning as the sun rises, you go stand outside in the sun. Imagine, you stand outside in the sun. Your shadow's going to be where? On your west side. You're stood outside, it's rising from the east, your shadow's going to be over there on the west. And it's going to be, early in the morning, your shadow's going to be... Long. As the sun comes up and up and up, your shadow on the western side starts to decrease. When the sun gets right to the top, the peak, your shadow disappears because it's directly above you. Your shadow is above you. Below you. Your shadow is directly under you because the sun is directly on top of you now. Then after that, the sun is now going to enter into the western hemisphere. It's going to go into the western side of the sky. And your shadow is now going to start appearing on your eastern side. As soon as the sun goes past the peak of the day and enters into the western side of the sky and therefore your shadow starts to appear on your eastern side now the time of dhuhr has begun that's when the time of dhuhr has begun moments before that when the sun was at the peak at the zenith and your shadow was directly below you the time of dhuhr has not begun yet. When it's the peak of the day, it is actually prohibited to pray. Dhuhr time has not begun yet. You got to wait. You got to wait for the sun to go past the peak of the day into the western side and your shadow to start appearing on your eastern side. Now the time of Dhuhr has begun. Simple and clear. So that's when the time for Dhuhr begins. The next obvious question is, when does it end? When does the time of Dhuhr end? So anybody? That's a very good answer. The time of Dhuhr ends when the time of Asr starts. Only problem is we don't know when the time of Asr starts yet. So when does the time of Asr start? When does Dhuhr end? Because whenever Dhuhr ends, that will automatically be when Asr starts. So when is that? What is that? Anybody? 
two opinions, isn't it? The Hanfi opinion and the well, the main opinion of the scholars upon the evidences is one shadow. When your shadow is equal in size to the object, you're six foot tall. As the sun goes into the western side, it carries on and on and on, and your shadow on the eastern side becomes longer and longer until it becomes six foot. You're six foot, it becomes six foot. That is now the end of Dhuhr time. It becomes six foot and a bit. Now, Asr time has begun because now your shadow has gone longer than the item or the object itself. You're six foot long, you're standing outside. When your shadow reaches six foot, Dhuhr time end. Now your shadow is going to start becoming 6'1", 6'2", 6'3", bigger and bigger and bigger as the sun goes further down and down. So as soon as it goes past your actual length or whatever object, you put the bottle down, it's 30 centimeters. When the shadow gets to 30 centimeters, Dhuhr ended. It starts to get longer now, longer than the item's <coughs> length itself. That means Dhuhr has finished and Asar has begun. Simple. So when does Dhuhr begin? Alright, but you explain it as when the sun passes the meridian. When the sun passes the meridian, got to pass. Not when the sun is at the meridian. That's haram to pray then. You got to wait for it to pass and the shadow to begin. Dhuhr has begun. When does it end? When the shadow ends up becoming equal to the size of the object. Once it's equal now, it's got to that big. Dhuhr time ended. The shadow is now only going to get bigger and bigger. Asr time has begun. The next question then is, when does Asr end? So what's the answer to that one? When the sun sets. So Asr begins when the shadow of the object is increasing on its size. It's gone equal and now increasing. Asr time begins. Carries on all the way till you're saying sunset. Everybody in agreement? Just before sunset. Before sunset? Two opinions have arrived. When the sun, I think it turns white or... Turns a different color. So before sunset. Before sunset. So put your hands up if you're with the first opinion that Asar time ends when the sun sets. They've abandoned you. <laughs> Not a single one. Put your hands up if you believe it is before even sunsets. A few. So when do the rest of you believe Asar finishes? Alright, those two opinions that have been mentioned there are the two opinions. One opinion is, Asr ends at sunset, because that's when Maghrib starts. Sunset, sun goes down, Asr finishes, and now Maghrib starts, that's one opinion. Second opinion is, 
Asar time ends before actual sunset. Prior to sunset, what happens? On a summer's day here, you can see as well. On a summer's day, just before sunset, can you possibly even look at the sun directly? It gets dimmer, it gets hazy. It becomes hazy. Yellowy and hazy. And you can see it there. You can practically look at it direct then. It's not bright and shining in your face. It's hazy and dull and yellow, orange. That kind of color it becomes. And that's just prior to sunset when it's going down near to sunset. On summer days often you see it. When it gets to that, that hazy, yellow, gets to that type of color, they say Asr time ends. Normally, it's not that color. Normally, it's the bright sun. Dhuhr time, after Dhuhr, you can't look at the sun. Prior to sunset, becomes very hazy, becomes very yellow. You could practically look at the sunset going down. You can see it prior to sunset, yellowy, hazy. When it gets to the yellowy and the hazy and the orangey, they say now Asr time ends. Even though the sun is still there, hasn't sunk. But it's become yellow and hazy, Asr time ends. That is the second opinion. So, Asr time starts when? And then increasing. And it ends when? Either at sunset or prior to sunset when the sun becomes yellowy and hazy prior to sunset by whatever amount of time but before sunset sun is still there asr finished that is two opinions on that second opinion that says asr finishes when the sun becomes yellowy from that moment up until maghrib starting which is when sun actually sets you have a gap that means there's a gap. No, that's for Isha. Badri. We haven't got there yet. So the gap remains. If you're on that opinion, that means you're gonna pray your asr, you gotta pray it before the sun becomes yellowy. Because that's asr time finished. Then from that moment up until Maghrib starting, there's a gap. You gotta wait for the sun to actually go down now. Before Maghrib time starts, there's a bit of a gap now. Whatever that gap is, 20 minutes, half an hour, whatever. There's a gap there. The scholars do say, it is allowed to pray Asr during that gap time, only if it was out of necessity. Dhurura. They say, Waqt al-Dhurura. That is the time of necessity. Something happened... Some emergency happened. You were unable to pray your asr all the way to just five minutes before sunset. Now obviously you're in that gap time. Some big emergency happened before that. You were unable to pray. You're in that gap time. You can pray your asr. And it counts. It's valid. It's within its time because that is the time of necessity. Meaning, you're not, you're not allowed Purposely delay your prayer into that time. That is only out of necessity you can pray in that gap. Otherwise you're supposed to pray before 
the sun becomes hazy. But out of necessity, if there was a need, you could pray down into that gap. So that's Asr. Maghrib begins then after the actual sunset. When does it carry on till? When does Maghrib carry on till? Anybody? Maghrib, huh? When does it carry on till? You said it. The Shafaq. So after the sun goes down, does it become pitch black instantly? It doesn't. Up to, I mean, especially in this country, even an hour after sunset, there's still blueness in the sky. When the sun goes down, you can't see the sun anymore. It doesn't go pitch black in an instant. You have all the readiness left in that corner where the sun has gone down. All of the readiness is still there. The light is still there. The red, the orange, the yellow. The color is all still in the sky. The blue is still in the sky after the sun has gone down. And it takes a while for all of that to disappear and for it to become pitch black. It takes a while. So when the sun goes down in the west, there will be some remnants of sun rays and redness and orangeness. There will be some of that remaining there. Maghrib time carries on all the way until that leftover redness, blueness, that leftover disappears. When that leftover sun rays completely disappear and it becomes pitch black, now Maghrib time has ended. And that typically takes an hour up to two hours. An hour or two. An hour or two it takes for that to completely disappear. A couple of hours after sunset, if you were to look at the west, you'd, you'd see no trace. You wouldn't see any redness left over. You wouldn't see any colors left over. Pitch black there, just like pitch black anywhere else. But that takes a couple of hours. An hour, 90 minutes, a couple of hours. Takes around about that time for all of the leftover to disappear. Once it does all disappear, that's known as Ashafaq al-Ahmar, the red horizon. When that red horizon disappears and it becomes black, it becomes night. Now Maghrib has ended and Isha has begun. Isha has then begun. Isha has then begun and can be prayed all the way till when? To midnight. 12 o'clock midnight. Stroke of midnight. Ding dong. Huh? Halfway between Fajr and? And beginning of Isha. So half of the night. So everybody so far is saying half of the night. Any other opinion? Hmm? So all the night. Up until Fajr basically. Okay, okay. Anybody else? So two thirds of the night. Or do you mean just the first third? Okay. Anybody else? Okay. So one of the main opinions is yes, up to the middle of the night. That is one of the main opinions. That Isha can be prayed up to the middle of the night. Often though, I mean there is a difference about it too, but scholars do mention 
as one of the ways to work that out, to work it out from sunset to Fajr time beginning. So these days, right now, Fajr time begins when? 5 a.m. or something? When does it begin? 5 a.m. approximately. Fajr time begins. Not the Jama'ah. Fajr time entering. We're going to talk about what that is in a minute. But Fajr time enters at 5 a.m. Maghrib these days, 6, let's call it, to make it easy, 6 p.m. 6 p.m. to 5 a.m., how many hours? 11 hours. Divided by 2? 5 and a half? Absolutely. So 5 and a half, from 6 p.m. to 5 and a half hours? 11.30. That would mean 11.30, based upon Maghrib being 6 o'clock and Fajr being 5 o'clock. Half of the night would be 11.30 p.m. That's one of the opinions of the scholars, up to half of the night. There is another opinion that you can pray Fajr, uh, pray Isha all the way to Fajr. They say all of that is the time for Isha. Fajr time hasn't started yet, so Isha just carries on all the way till Fajr starts. An opinion. There is another opinion, it's only the first third of the night. Here mentioned by the Shaykh too. Up to a third of the night only. So then you would divide it by three, and then it would just be the first portion of that third. Two-thirds, Allahu Alam. Maybe the Shaykh Al-Fawzan mentioned it, another opinion as well. But the ones mentioned here, a third and a half and the full night. And possibly there could be opinions of two-thirds of the night too. The main opinions here the Shaykh mentions is half of the night and the first third of the night. Half of the night and the first third of the night. What about the rest of the night up to Fajr then? They will say it is time of necessity. If you hadn't prayed for some other reason, you can pray right at the end out of necessity. So you shouldn't delay your Isha basically beyond half of the night. Basically. Fajr then, when does it start? The last one, Fajr. When does Fajr prayer start? What's the sign that Fajr has begun? So overnight it's pitch black. In the morning, light begins to appear. When light initially appears, and it doesn't, it's difficult in this country, but in other places you'll see it. When the light initially appears, it appears in a vertical manner going upwards into the sky. This is known. Go to somewhere in the desert, some place where it's clear, no lights and trees and all these things. Light, when it first appears in the morning, after the pitch black of the night, appears vertically upwards. That is not the time for Fajr. That is known as the false Fajr. Because after a short time, that light which comes out vertically disappears. And it goes dark again. It disappears. Then the light appears again, but this time it appears horizontally across the horizon. When it appears, you start seeing light horizontally across the horizon. Fajr time has begun. And it carries on all the way up until sunrise. So the false Fajr is the one where they call it, initially the light comes up vertically, but after a while it disappears. It goes dark again. So that wasn't Fajr, that was the false Fajr as it is known as. Then the light comes out a second time, but this time horizontally. That is the beginning of Fajr time. 
And it's all the way up until sunrise. They are the basic times of the prayer. And that's where we'll have to leave it because it is the time for the prayer. So inshallah ta'ala, we'll carry on from that point next week uh, from the times of the prayers. And we're talking about the conditions that so far we've discussed is the first condition of the prayer. The time needs to have started. You can't pray a prayer before the time starts. So we'll carry on from that next week inshallah ta'ala. Wa sallallahu ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in.